Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've been in this league long enough to know that, man, you could roll two teams out on back-to-back days and the game could unfold differently. And so, um, although we did play them a couple weeks ago and there's some things to be gleaned from that, I don't think either party is hanging their hat on how that transpired or that component of it. I just think that particularly in today's scheduling, it happens every year, particularly backloaded divisional games. We're, we're playing, you know, one of these divisional teams in a two or three week span. It seems like just about every December or so. So um, I don't think it's new to us. I don't think it's new to any of us um, in the NFL, but I think we all acknowledge that um, the, the texture of one game doesn't necessarily dictate the texture of another. Welcome to the locker room, everybody. Uh, we got uh, Greg Wolfley and Wesley Euler. We're here. Uh, Max is on super secret assignment. <laughs> he's, he's doing something there, Wes. You know? I don't think it's that secret, Wolf. I think he's just uh, he's up to his neck in college bowl games yeah, right now. That's exactly what it is. But, you know, I like the sound of super well, that's, secret. That's, that's yeah. a good point. It, it, does just, sound, it sounds cooler. You're it right. just sounded cooler. You know, Makes but him sound like a ninja. <laughs> Yes, indeed. And we've got plenty of those right here in the locker room. You got it. Okay. Mike Tomlin comes in and says, I've been in this league long enough to know that you can roll two teams out in back-to-back days and the game can unfold differently. Exactly. You know, the great Tunchukin, our brother, all right? Tunch always used to say, just because it is doesn't mean it's so. In mm-hmm. other words, just because it happened this way doesn't mean it's always going to happen that way or sure. just because somebody lumped you doesn't mean you can't lump them back on the on the uh rematch right and i i truly believe that you know just because the ravens dropped 215 yards of rushing on the steelers about three weeks ago roughly you know that thereabouts a month almost just because he did they did that doesn't mean they're going to do it again and it's one of these things that you've got to make adjustments you got to make 
adjustments in your determination. Because I will tell you, the biggest adjustment to make is in the decision-making process of the men fighting it out in the trenches. Okay? you got to win your battles. That's what it's about. The X's and O's are important, but Wes, I'm telling you, the big thing is about holding the point, setting the edge, closing on the backside, filling your gaps, getting your run fits, and making the play when it comes to you. That's what it's about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I can't agree with you more, Wolf, uh, especially football, I think more so than any other sport. I mean, you are – it is the ultimate you're only as good as your last performance. You're, you're, you're only what you put on tape the past week. Um and those things can flip so quickly in this league. And even, you know, we can go back and, yeah, okay, Baltimore had success against the Steelers a couple weeks ago. But we can also pinpoint, Wolf, you know, if you and I really wanted to and wanted to break it down, we could pinpoint maybe three, four moments in that game that really determined the outcome, right? Sure. Um, it's, you know, it's not like Baltimore came in. It, it's not like it was the Bills game or the Eagles game, right? Where, I mean, it felt out of reach pretty early and it was pretty clear that right. that those teams were just at a different point on a different level than the Steelers are right now. Um, it did not feel like that. There were a lot of opportunities for the Steelers. Some mistakes made by the offense and Mitch Trubisky. There were some moments, I'm sure, from Baltimore's standpoint as well, too, right? The, the interceptions by Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith and some of the stuff they were able to do. Um, there was, you can pinpoint, like I said, three, four, five uh, plays, moments that that game really hinged on, really swung upon. And all you need is to get those moving in your direction, right? Instead of those three or four critical moments going Baltimore's way, now maybe two or three of those go your way, and that can very easily be the difference in a game like this against an opponent like this. Uh, it is, it's the classic cliche, but I think it's especially true in the NFL and when you've got a rivalry like Pittsburgh-Baltimore. You throw out the record books, right? You throw out what happened earlier in the season because it is a clean slate. It is a completely different game. Absolutely. All you got to do, you start off with the fact, okay, don't throw three interceptions. All right. I mean, right there is a huge, huge advantage for the Ravens. If you go in and you got three interceptions, what about shutting down J.K. Dobbins off of that 44-yard run? Boom. Yep. All of a sudden, this game just yep. pivots and becomes a totally different game. And, look, I, I get it. You know, people say, well, if couldas and shouldas and all that stuff. Hey, listen, man, that's the way the game is. The game is all about <laughs> making those critical heartbeats of decision. And if you were late in getting to your gap and being able to shut down your gap and on that J.K. Dobbins run when he went 44, um, you know what? It, you do it this time, and it, it, it's a different matter. You know, I mean, that's – if I could just stress to the folks enough about the importance of winning your battles. You got those one-on-one -on -one battles that are going on, sometimes two-on-one. -on -one. If you're Cam Hayward, who's still plenty capable, as he showed last week against the Vegas Raiders, don't give me that he's too old. Don't give me that he's slipped out of that Pro Bowl um, ability that he had. No, the, man, the dude was large and in charge last weekend, <laughs> and he showed up big. And it's just the nature of the beast. You got to come out and you 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 try to you know stack all your performances in a in a constantly uh, high level fashion. But there there there's days. How many people go into the office on a, week, a daily basis and their level of performance varies? Right. I mean, it's me. huge. Yeah. Well, how about me? <laughs> you know, I you know. I'm just one concussion away. No, from... you're a, you're award winning every time <laughs> yeah. you get behind the microphone, partner. Yeah, you and I both know that's a, 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 a crock of malarkey there. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Mike Malarkey. <laughs> oh my goodness! But anyhow, <laughs> you know, here's the point. You know, you 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 win those battles. 
you're able to and remember J.K. Dobbins just came off the IR. You know, they they had not seen this guy and that this guy was had fresh legs and everything like that. Hey, you got to be well aware if you if for any reason your uh, mental RPMs dropped at all when facing the Dirty Birds last time three so weeks ago in the, at Acrisure. Uh, because of Dobbins and the quarterback, you know, uh, Tyler Huntley, you know, he's in there, and then you got the third string. Well, you're like, oh, all right. Well, you know what? You better dial it up and have it dialed in. And you've had now a whole week and to understand coming off of, you know, with Franco and with this whole situation, man, the just the, the emphasis that all this, this spotlight it puts on the effort of the men on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. It's really about just getting the job done. I know the X's and O's are important. The schematics are certainly something you got to pay attention to. But it's about the performance, and it's about winning your battles. And that's, to me, where this whole game comes down to, every game comes down to winning those battles. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, the X's and O's are important, without a doubt. But your Jimmys and Joes, I, I think, are just as, if not more important. You're right. You have to be able to line up against the guy uh, line up, you know, across from the, the the guy on the other side of the field, and you have to be able to out execute. You have to make more plays than he does over the course of sixty minutes, right? That that doesn't mean that you have to be perfect for the entire game. I don't think any of us expect that. We know the other team, right? They're professionals too. They're highly compensated as well too. They're in the National Football League for a reason as well. Um, that's why sometimes I do I, I chuckle, Wolf, when you hear fans a lot of times say, "I want to see a a complete sixty minute performance from the team." Like I get that line of thinking. That's also tough to do. Every game, you're going to have ebbs and flows. You're going right. to have times where you have success. You're going to have time where your opponent has success. But it's about can you be on the winning end more often than you're on the losing end? Can you have the upper hand more often than than your opponent? And you play out those you know a hundred plays uh, over the course of sixty minutes. And if you end up having success on you know, 60-some percent of those plays, that quite often is the difference. It doesn't have to be a complete, we're going to dominate these guys for 60 minutes, but you have to be able to assert your will more often than your opponent does, particularly, again, in a matchup like this against an opponent, you know, two teams that know each other so well, two coaching staffs that know each other so well, organizations, fan bases, players on down the line, and a, uh, you know, a pretty good Baltimore team here, despite what, you know, the uncertainty at quarterback, still certainly a very capable group. You just got to go out and execute. They'll talk about the game plan. They'll install everything they need to all week. When that ball goes in the air Sunday night now, you know, at 8.15, 8.20, whenever they kick off, can can you out-execute your opponent more often uh, than they have success against you? That's what it's going to come down to ultimately. Absolutely. And, Wes, you're, you're spot on. Look, think about it. Now, since that Raiders game, They've played the Panthers, and they've played the Raiders. Played the Panthers. They shut them down. They played the Raiders, and Josh Jacobs. Sounds like a band, Josh Jacob and the Raiders. You know, I don't know. It just sounds you know, like a good Ruby <laughs> band, man, back from the 70s. Um, but, you know, think about it. Those, this, the, the rushing attack, both those teams, they, the Steelers held both the Raiders and the Panthers to 79 yards on 35 carries, 2.3 yards per carry. Get Zooks, man. That's winning football. That's doing some great stuff. You know what I mean? And I, I if they can do it against the Panthers and, and, and against the Raiders like that, there's no reason they can't do it against the Ravens. Uh, again, I, I look at that. I'm thinking, look, look what the Panthers did against Detroit. Wasn't it Detroit? They dropped 300 yep. 
rushing yards on them. Yep, they just did, yeah. You know, and Detroit's been on a tear. I was going to say, Detroit is, you know, one of, one of the better run defenses in the NFL, yeah. Exactly so. So what's the difference? You think it's schematics that does that? It's not schematics. It's the Jimmys and Joes like you're talking about. Yep. It's the Jimmys and Joes winning their battles, and that's where it's ultimately going to be at. And the most important thing is going to be guys playing their gaps, guys reading their keys, guys covering their – there, you know, whether you got coverages, whether you're rushing, those sorts of things. You got to do all those things, and you got to win at them. And it comes down to those guys winning individually. The Steelers are what they're sixth in the league in rushing, 105.6 since the bye. But think about it: since the bye, they've been going over the last seven games. They're at 91.6. That's what they're averaging, giving up. And that's including the Ravens game. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's statistically. There's a lot of. A lot of good numbers that point to better performance, but the better performance only comes when there's a better performance. And that's <laughs> right, guys right. winning, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've, you know, again, we've seen that ebb and flow this season, Wolf. You know, we, we've seen the team have their struggles, two and six to start, five and two since the bye week. Um, they have done more winning as of late, and I think that's all been part of this growth process. You know, it feels like particularly for the offense, right? The, the defense is – they've they've had their moments where they've been outstanding. They've had a couple moments where they've struggled a little bit, but I think the defense has been pretty steady Eddie throughout the course of these 16 games so far. Um, or I guess 15 games so far, pardon me. 16 weeks, 15 games. Um, the offense is – you know, they've had more, I think, of the, of the growing pains, if you will. You know, they've used multiple quarterbacks. They got some new parts and some young pieces on that offensive line. Aside from Deontay Johnson, all of their skill players really are st- are on rookie contracts. Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth, right? All those guys still on their rookie deals. Um, you got Kenny Pickett, obviously a rookie. Mitch Trubisky, even when though he was a veteran, he was still first time with the with the Steelers. There's been those times where you've had to take your lumps this season, but there's also been the times that we've seen where they have been able to execute, where they've gone out there, they've done what they needed to do at a varsity level over the course of 60 minutes, and they've been able to have success at times against some some good defenses and some good opponents as well, too. Yeah, they've been fortunate that the schedule certainly got a little bit easier here since the bye week. I don't think we need to sugarcoat that, but they've still done that. They've still had success against some teams with some with some dang good defenses and that had been playing well leading up to their meetings with the Steelers. I think they've really got an opportunity these last two weeks, Wolf, to regardless of what happens in the in the postseason, you know, scope of things, to to really feel good about this offense, this offensive line, your quarterback, your skill position players, from where you were in August to the opportunity that, you know, that you now have and where you can be when you finish this thing in January. You know, really, what this is all about is this. And I'll, 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 I'll do you ever watch Tombstone the movie? Love it, right? Yeah, oh that's yeah. just one of my favorite. Doc Holliday, he says, "Oh, make no." He's talking about Jimmy uh, Ringo, Jimmy Ringo, right? Oh, make no mistake about it. It's not revenge he's after. It's a reckoning. I love that statement because it it really kind of captures what it's all about. It's not revenge. It's not this. You know, you've got the Ravens and this sort of vengeance thing. It's about a reckoning. It's about setting things right as they should be. You know that you're not supposed to give up 215 yards of rushing. Okay, that that that's not winning football. You know, so it's yeah. a reckoning. It's about settling of accounts. I remember in 89, the Browns came in on the opening day of the season in 1989. They beat us at Three Rivers 51 to nothing. I cool. mean, uh, but what we don't talk about is it was just a month later or three weeks or four weeks, I can't remember which, Later, we went into Cleveland and beat them in their house. 
and it was nothing major. It wasn't like, I think it was like a 21-14 or maybe even 17-10 or I don't even know. Something along those lines, it was much less. But it wasn't about revenge. It's about a reckoning because you knew that that 51 to nothing thing was so such a bunch of crap. You know, all of us just played so horribly. It was just, again, I go back to it. I even, I, I wanted to get thrown out of the game so mad. I, was like <laughs> I, remember, start, you t- yeah, I remember you telling you know, me that. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you just like, oh, you just start throwing punches and stuff. Right. But the fact of the matter is, it's about setting things right. And that's what we did just a month later. There was no great schematic change. There was no great player that we acquired in between the two. It was simply guys playing to their capabilities you got caught on a bad day and they pounded us and things got things went from bad to worse the entire day you know but the fact is just not even a month later we come back and there's a settling of accounts and we came back and beat them and that's what i think this game's all about it's about a reckoning you know you realize that that rushing attack that's something no that can't fly and in the simply put it's going to be a fact is um, it's about heading into this weekend for that reckoning. So, having said that, we're going to reckon on out of here because <laughs> what we got is the great Jerry Dulac. The cool breeze is coming to town. He's going to be joining us on the other side of the break here. We'll be back with more. You're in the locker room with Wolf and, and Wes and Max is on Super Secret Special Assignment, which we all know he's doing bowl games. We'll, t- we'll be back after this. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, yeah. When you hear that music, besides wanting to get up in salsa a little bit, you know, you know it's the cool breeze, Jerry Dulac. Jerry, how you doing, my friend? Wolf, I am fine. I was actually doing a little two-step myself to the music <laughs> while I was waiting to come on. Pretty snappy, isn't it? I mean, it gets you in the yes, mood. Yes, it is. Yes, it, yes, is. it does. It, it, it wakes you up in the morning. It gets you moving. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, one of the things that uh, we've been discussing early on is just uh, our, our good friend, our good brother, Tunchilkin, used to say all the time, just because it is doesn't mean it's so. Meaning that just because the Ravens dropped 215 yards rushing on you three weeks ago doesn't mean it's going to happen again if you are able to muster the force within yourself to play better than you did last time, which means execute. It's not schematic so much as it is the execution. It's knowing your assignments, winning the one-on-ones, even the two-on-ones, holding your ground, all those sorts of things. And there's a lot that goes into it, I know. But to me, this is both teams know each other so well. It's not about the X's and O's. It's the Jimmys and Joes. Well, what was surprising uh, about, uh, about, you know, when you say, teams know each other so well uh, I would agree and yet when you look at the last two games against the Ravens they've rushed for over 200 yards each time now all that being said I don't really think that made a big difference the last game because let's face it I'm not a big fan when I hear players say or teams say well we beat ourselves well in that game the Steelers beat themselves Boy, did those they. three interceptions in Ravens territory the Steelers were uh, had six scoring opportunities they went up and down the field on the Ravens 
and yet they did it to themselves. Those two interceptions in particular, the one from the 23, mm-hmm. the one from the 17, and from the 48 or 49, I have a huge problem with that uh, in that, uh, you know, it was kind of like a punt because they only got the ball to one, but it occurred on down, and that's, that's what made it, uh, you know, a, a, a little damning. But um, the, the, uh, the, you know, they haven't played well awfully, even with Lamar Jackson, the last five or six games. And when you look at the rush defense, yeah, coming out after that Baltimore game, they went down to Carolina, and as we know, they they held them to 21 yards. Now the w- rushing. The week before, they ran for 230-some, and the week after, they ran for 320. So I don't think there was that was uh, you know smoke and mirrors that all of a sudden Carolina couldn't run the ball. The Steelers did a great job of it. We know what they did, used a lot of 34 front, even some four-man defensive line with the two outside linebackers, so you had a six-man front. And that's why I, what they did against the Raiders validated what they did against the Panthers, uh, holding um, Josh Jacobs to 44 yards. And don't forget, fellas, after that opening drive, and he had 26 of those yards, that meant he had 18 yards, 18 yards on 10 carries the rest of the game. And, you know, they couldn't exactly sell out against the run because they had to worry about Devontae Adams, and he had two catches for 15 yards. So I thought, well, Mike Tomlin said, you know, top to bottom, very well defensively. I would agree because I thought the Raiders presented a kind of a bad matchup. But I thought that run defense coming off the Carolina game and, and validating it with a back-to-back performance, I thought was, uh, was very, uh, very important. And I would be surprised if the Ravens rushed for 200 yards mm-hmm. for a third straight game against them. Jerry, then, I mean, does it become like it, it feels like tell me if this is just too simplistic, but leading up to this game, it, it, it does feel just as almost as cut and dry as, you know, whichever offense is able to take care of the football and run the football, whichever defense is able to maybe create some splash, some turnovers and stop the run. That team is going to more than likely be the one that's victorious on Saturday night. Is it is it really that cut and dry? Well, in games like that uh, or like this, Wes, where. It's typically comes down to a one possession game, and historically that's been the case. And historically, it's low scoring because of the style these teams play and and the pride that they have in their defenses. So I would expect another 16-14, 17-16, 13-10 game. Also because both offenses just don't score points. So yeah, turnovers become a big deal. We heard Mike Tomlin talk the other day. Field position becomes a big deal. Your punter better be very good. You better not uh, shank too many. And your kicker can't afford to miss two kicks like he did uh, against the Raiders. And because you have to assume, even though Justin Tucker has missed, what, three in the past couple games, you, you know, you don't expect that too often either. So that's what it's going to come down to. And turnovers make a big, uh, make a big difference in this game. And that's what happened the first game. Those three turnovers killed them because they, they, despite the Ravens rushing for 219 or whatever that final number was, uh, they, they were outplayed by the Steelers up and down the field. But the Ravens won, and they found a way to win, and that's what they do. And that's why, um, that's why they're 10-5. and five. It's amazing to me that that team is 10-5 and five, uh, with as poorly as they have played um, but they find ways to win, and that's all that counts. And that's the interesting thing. You know, you, you look at it, you're just one blocked field goal away from winning that game. I mean, literally. Right. right. I mean, that's it, right. It, it, was, it was Calais Campbell, and again, a noted, as Mike Tomlin called him, a legendary uh, uh, kick blocker. You know, the guy that's capable of doing that. But, um, you know, th- 
the fact is, the Steelers did outplay them in so many yep. ways. And I would expect that they're going to be able to continue this. Right now, they're they're in a good groove defensively. It's kind of like, uh, you know, you get slapped around in a game, and then all of a sudden you, you, you start to focus and, and dial in and able to do some things that, for whatever reason, was you were not paying attention to the details of your job a couple of weeks ago. I, I use it again in 89. We lose 51 nothing to the Browns on the opening game at Three Rivers. But it was just a month later with the same people going into Cleveland, we beat them in their place. And it was like, I don't know, 17-10 or 21-14. Some, some were similar. But the fact is there was no big schematic change and there was no big, um, you know, we, nobody, no star came in and, and was, uh, you know, ripping up the league for us at that time. It was just simply the same people came around and, and did the job that they didn't do three weeks yeah. earlier. Wolf, when uh, going back to that Carolina game after the Baltimore game, I talked to some of the coaches. What was the difference? Uh, you know, yeah, they played more 34 front. Right. Uh, they played, you know, as I mentioned, you know, some four-man defensive line. Um, but it, they said, no, it was just it, what you had referenced earlier. It was getting off blocks and making tackles and, and having your run fits be, you know, pretty solid. Right. And that's the execution of it. And that's, you know, they're not doing anything different schematically. They're just doing things better. And I'll be curious to see how they respond after these past two games, the way they've played, uh, you know, their, their run defense has been, um, how they perform this time. You know, uh, Larry Ogunjobi's just been a stud in there. And, yeah. you know, that game, that performance that Cam Hayward put on uh, the other day uh, was very impressive. Mm. And, um, you know, he just, he just dominates the, the defensive line. And uh, to, to do that, you know, it was very – it was good for everyone to see that on national TV uh, and realize, um, you know, that this guy doesn't make the, the, the first team Pro Bowl, even though there is no Pro Bowl, is just beyond me because even at 33, he just dominates the line of scrimmage. Jerry, I got to tell you, excuse me, Wes, I'm going to cut in because no, you're good. This, this is what is amazing to me. I was watching film the other day, that first sack that Cam got on the bull rush on Dylan Parham, the left guard for the Raiders. Right. One of the things I've, I, I, in all my years, I've seen, a, you know, sacks of all different kinds. <laughs> I gave up sacks of all different kinds. <laughs> you know, I've been, I had a front row seat at a couple of not so good ones, right? <laughs> but the fact is, I watched him throw Dylan Parham into Derek Carr. I mean, literally lift him off his feet. I've never seen a guy, I don't remember seeing a guy lift him from coming from an under and up relationship on a bull rush to lift a 300 plus pound man and spin him around so that Parham was facing Carr when he slammed into him. I mean, it was unbelievable. You just don't see that. And it was all that power coming with great technique that, that Cam literally dominated this kid. And it was, that was an unbelievable, powerful pass rush and sack when he did that. Wolf, I've always felt that I have never seen a guy collapse a pocket the way Cam Hayward uh, does and and can. And yes. you know he's you know Aaron Smith was was one of those naturally strong guys, mm. and uh, you know and Cam's the same way. Yes. Um, you know I don't know what his workout routine is, but you know he has that extension and that power, and he just pushes people. And in this instance. Uh, lifting people, and it's you know I, I was teasing him after the um, the Carolina game. I said to him, I, I in the locker room, I said, when um, 
I go, when was Carolina going to realize they can't block you one on one? And he kind of he kind of laughed. And, you know, even when there's two guys on him, yep. if he wants to collapse the pocket, he's going to collapse the pocket. And it's just if, if you if you, you know, focus on Cam and watch him and see what he does with his power and his ability, it really is impressive. It really is. And to, can it, to be able to continue doing that, uh, you know, at 33 is equally mm. impressive. Jerry, I, I I can't I can't agree with you more there. I think that's that's absolutely well said. I think for Cam, hopefully that you know some of the uh, the national recognition that he's been getting, maybe that'll help bolster his uh, his case for the uh, for the Walter Payton Man of the Year award as well too. I know we'd all love to uh, to see him finally get that recognition. Jerry, I wanted to ask you, you know, over these these last two weeks, I, I was reading your your um, your chat transcript in the Post Gazette here uh, from yesterday. It really feels like you know a lot of a lot of questions about Kenny Pickett and his growth and and comparing him to to some other you know quarterback situations around the division. These last two weeks, is this you know the the opportunity that's here for the offense to to continue to grow from where they were you know at times back in August in the preseason and when the season started in September, you know it, it feels like they really have there's still there's still areas that that they need to improve. Obviously, I think we'd all like to see them finish more drives in the red zone, score more points, right? But this offense really does feel like a, a much improved unit and one that's really started to carve out some identity since the beginning of the season. Can they? you know, put a cherry on top of that and, and start to feel much better about heading into next year in these last two weeks? Well, I don't think there's any question about them feeling better heading into next year. And, you know, that final drive against the Raiders uh, just, uh, you know, it illustrates that. Look at the, uh, all the key components there. We're all rookies or first, second-year players. Kenny Pickett, 7 of 8 for 74 yards. George Pickens catches the winning touchdown. Najee Harris has three catches for 30 yards, including that 19-yard catch and run down to the Raiders 24 that set up that touchdown. And Pat Fryermuth, three catches for 31 yards on that drive. Those are your first and second-round draft choices each of, this, uh, each of the last two years. And to be able to do that, those young guys in that situ- situation – only bodes well for uh, going forward in, into next year. Um, I, I think the one thing, though, that we are seeing is let's not forget prior to that drive, it was a it was a fairly dreadful offense, and it, it, in fact, it was a dreadful game. <laughs> when you look at the fact that the Raiders scored sure. on the opening possession, and the only other touchdown was on the final possession. But I think you know I think what's happened here, Wes, is the bar has been set so low for this offense. Hmm. That when we see these baby steps, it looks like great improvement. And I'm not saying that it's not because it is. Um, but there needs still a lack of explosive plays and explosive scores in this offense. And I'm look, I'm not expecting them to be the Kansas City Chiefs, but that's what's missing. And we can't lose sight of the fact that they do have problems scoring points. And so it becomes when you miss a field goal, um, you know, it, it makes the game very tenuous. So they can't afford to not convert points because they do fail times in times in the red zone and they just don't have explosive plays, explosive scores. And uh, that's what's missing from this offense. And that's what needs to be examined in its totality after the season. Yeah, it's nice to say, yeah, we made baby steps and they have. They have. And I haven't had a big problem with the play calling. I'm not going to sit here and criticize Matt Kennedy because as I watch the games, I don't sit there and think, oh, my goodness, what is what are these play calls? <laughs> I, I don't have that issue. I haven't had that issue the last three or four games. So I'm not being critical of him. 
but you do have to look at the totality of, of not only the offense, but of this team, despite what's happening at the end of the season. You can't delude yourself into thinking, okay, we're making some nice steps, even though I know it's a transition year without Ben Roethlisberger. If Ben Roethlisberger is on his team, it's a 10-5 and five team right now. Those games, New England, the Jets, Miami, mm-hmm. the last Baltimore game, they win those games, and they're, they're in a playoff spot. But he's not here, and so that's all part of the growth process. So there's, a, there's going to be a little delicate balance be, between after the season deciding what steps were you making and where are we failing uh, to, to uh, you know, get off to the slow start. And there's a lot of reasons that played into that that went beyond just, um, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett making mistakes. It was, you know, the fact why he was in there so early, things like that. So those are all the things they have to examine after the season. I think number one is you got to also decide who do you want to target, and those targets got to, I you know to me George Pickens is you've got to feed him you got to feed him man he is one of those guys capable of really taking over a game look I think Deontay Johnson is an excellent wide receiver especially since coming off the bye he's really turned things around his catch rate is way up he's doing a good job of getting free if you turn on the film you watch him. The guy really does a good job of getting open, but his yak yards, they're not great. You know, obviously he's without a a touchdown. Um, The guy that can turn things around is George Pickens. I mean, that's the guy that can make those big explosive plays. And to do that, you've got to – Bruce Arians always always used to say, you got to take three to five shots down the field every game. That's right. You got to back him off. And George Pickens is that guy capable. And the other guy is Pat Fryermuth. You know, I mean, it's like you pointed out. Uh, you got 31 yards on the, of the 76 yards on the 10-play drive at the end of the game. I mean, this guy is capable of, of dominating as a as a tight end. There's no question in my mind this guy should be a pro bowler. No question in my mind and not an alternate. You know, as Max and I always like to joke, we're the all-alternate team. <laughs> we, we back up the guys who backed up the guys who backed up. <laughs> right. you, know. you know, Wolf. You know, with I, I think the thing with George Pickens, too, is in, in order to be able to feed him, you have to develop his route running and you have to run him like you did the other day. Send him on on a post, right. send on a slant, send him across the field. Yeah. Don't box him in on the sideline where he's basically no. double covered because now he has one defensive back and he has the sideline. He has nowhere to go but try to catch a 50-50 ball. But run him into the middle of the field and improve his route running and get him running those different types of patterns and get him the ball and let him make plays. And I think that's all that will all be part of, um, you know, his development going forward. But, you know, do do more things with him than just running him on a go route down the sideline where he can make some plays. OK, maybe it's not the 35, 40 yard catch over the top. But maybe it's the 18 to 20 yard catch repeatedly over the middle or on the slant or whatever, you know, whatever the case might be. And and I think that's where he will need to evolve more in order to be able to get him the ball on on more of, of a regular basis. I'm, a Deontay Johnson is a nice receiver, but he's not a number one receiver. And the Steelers know it. That's why they weren't going to pay him as a number one right. receiver. But they paid him a lot of money. He's a nice number two receiver. No question about it. But he'll never be known as that explosive number one uh, type of, uh, you know, Stephon Diggs, um, A.J. Brown, uh, Lamar, uh, Jamar Chase. He's not, you know, uh, he's not that kind of guy. Never will be. See, the beautiful thing about DJ 
and about Pat Fryermuth that we got to get you got to give George Pickens this too because remember a lot of the routes are conceptual in nature. It's reading the defense and then having the eyes of the quarterback right. as the quarterback is seeing them. And that's the thing that I first of all, if you talk to Pat Fryermuth, one of the beautiful things about it, this guy sees coverages like a quarterback. You know, he's really very good at reading, and that that goes into making your route running, you know, much more you know, dynamic and everything, because then when you understand the concepts based on whether you're X, Y, Z, whatever the the, 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 the letters you want to put the, on the wide receiver, they run different routes accordingly. And so it's something you got to give George Pickens some time. But, yeah, like you agree, he's got to be able to read the coverages, see them as the quarterback sees them, and then be able to do the things that he did along the sidelines. He's got to do it all over the field. But he is capable of it. Well, Wolf, I think that's all what will come as he, you know, goes beyond year one. Let's not forget, he's a rookie and Kenny Pickett's a rookie, and there's going to be growing pains. Um, so Joe Burrow went through them. Everybody goes through them. Yeah. And so year two will be entirely different for both those guys. But to see those steps being made is what is encouraging to them. But, um, you know, there's still a long way to go with this offense. Um, but I think what we saw on the final drive – was big for their ability to be in that situation, execute, and get it done. No doubt about it. Jerry, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Great job. Good to see you, my friend. I hope you had a Merry Christmas, and I hope you have a great New Year coming up. But appreciate you coming to the locker room. Wolf, Happy New Year to you and Wes. Thanks, and I Jerry. will see you fellas at the Baltimore Ball Yard on New Year's Day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Aren't we all excited about going to Baltimore? <laughs> In prime time, Yes. That's right. All right. Thank you, Jerry. Folks, all right, boys. You betcha. We'll be back with more after this coming up. We're going to go in the third segment coming up. We're going to talk a little bit about finishing drives, SNR. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Shotgun snap. Four-man rush. Fires for the end zone. Touchdown. George Jenkins. And the Steelers forge ahead with just 46 seconds left. Pick it to Pickens. Don't you love that? Pick it to Pickens. That's beautiful. That, that that rolls off the tongue nicely. It does, Wesley. You know that it's a it's a beautiful 14-yard laser shot that was a lump of coal uh, in the stocking stuffer of the boys from Vegas is what it was. <laughs> that was think about it. That was a Christmas present 50 years in the making. Certainly was. Certainly put a smile on all of our faces. And uh, yeah, I mean, you talk about winning in dramatic fashion. That was. That was uh that was a moment there certainly and you can hear that excitement from you and Billy on the call. I love it. And uh <laughs> I couldn't shut up. I was like I was like trying to you know you just like you you the, the scream is coming from within. You know, with sure. everything with everything that night represented. Oh, absolutely. The whole thing with for, losing the great teammate, the great man, um the, the Franco I mean, that was just all bottled in that one catch, that moment of just re rejoicing. Yeah. And, you know? 
You know, Jerry Jerry pointed this out in the last segment too, how, you know, you had a, a touchdown drive on the opening possession of the game for the Raiders, and then a touch you had to wait all the way until, you know, forty seconds left or whatever it was around right. there, uh for for the Steelers to score uh, a touchdown. It was like that the the entire crowd, as you kind of mentioned it. This is, you know, it's it's one of those things when you have the emotion of the halftime with Franco, when it's oh. a Christmas Eve game, when it's against the Raiders, when it's a game the fan base knows you have to win to keep your, you know, your season alive. Um, and, Wolf, one more caveat to that, too. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't a packed house at Akershire Stadium, right? You know, right. We, we think there were maybe, maybe about 45,000, 50,000 people there, something mm-hmm. like that. And some of the people, to be fair, because of the weather, because of Christmas Eve, they left at halftime after the Franco ceremony as well, too. So by the end of the fourth quarter, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It wasn't bare, but it wasn't a packed house either. But when you have those type of games, Wolf, the people who are there are the people who really want to be there. You know, (laughs) it's not somebody who's just, oh, yeah, let's go to the Steelers game because it'll be a fun night out. You don't get that on Christmas Eve in single-digit temperatures, right, (laughs) to watch a team that was, what, six and eight at the time? The people that were there are the diehards, are the ones who live and breathe and die with Steelers football, who wear their black and gold love on their sleeve. That's the one thing I love about the rare occasions that you get those crowds that aren't the – you know, the 68,000 people sold out when you maybe only have 45,000 there because of the weather and because of the circumstances. But, man, those 45,000 people, they would go to war and die for the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> and in that moment when that touchdown was scored, you just felt that elation from everybody in that stadium for that moment, for that game, waiting for an opportunity to explode there for three hours, and then you finally get it in dramatic fashion like that. That was that was a cool moment that, that we'll remember for a long time. We will. I mean, that game, it was – I don't even know how to really put it fully in context. But with the emotion, everything that you talked about, that emotion building up to the halftime. You know, I, again, I, I just – what if Franco had been there? Oh, that would have cool. just been – it, it gives me chills thinking about it, you know, about, oh, what it could have been like and how badly everybody wanted to see him. and sure. just. Uh, you know, but again, the big finish, everything. I, I always go back to Mr. Rooney, you know, uh, Art Rooney t- uh, talking about at halftime when he said it wasn't supposed to be like this. I've got the uh, I've got the audio for you here, Wolf. You know you what? Just hit time. that. Yes, hit it, please, if you would. Ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't supposed to be like this. The big man was supposed to be standing here right next to me. But I want to thank Dana and Doc for being here tonight for sharing Franco with us for the last 50 years. It's been said, life will bring you sorrow, but it's up to us to bring the joy. Franco brought us joy for 50 years. And so in recognition of his many contributions, both on and off the field, it's my honor to declare number 32 is officially retired. That so well summarizes everything. It couldn't have been said better. No, it was perfect. It was. And that initial statement, it wasn't supposed to be like this. And I just, I don't know, man, it's just uh, something I will always remember. And being yeah. there was was so, um, I don't know, it was just, uh, one. it's like one of those, it's like Woodstock. It was an know? experience. Yes, it was. It was yeah. one of those things that, 
you know, you get to sit back and um, you say, I'm glad I was there at that moment. Some, You know, sometimes, Wolf, certain games, you know, can feel bigger than the moment, right? Like a, a week 16 game against the Raiders, two teams with losing records, just from the 30,000-foot view, right, shouldn't be that big of a deal. Right. But because of the circumstances, it was a massive deal. Almost, you know, kind of like same church, different pew maybe is everything that transpired with Ben Roethlisberger in that Monday night win last year against the Browns, right? Without the Ben Roethlisberger element, that, that, that game, you know, yeah, you needed it to keep your playoff hopes alive, and it's against a rival in Cleveland. That, that, that always matters. But with the backdrop of it being Ben Roethlisberger's last game at the stadium formerly known as Heinz, now now yeah. Acrisure, that took that game into another stratosphere, right? And yeah. I, I think it's kind of the same from last night. You know, 20 – or last night, sorry, Saturday night, pardon me. It, 20 years from now, some young football fan might look at the box score and they'll go, okay, it was it was two teams with, with losing records at the end of the season. Did that game really mean that much? Mm. But when you look at the circumstances, it felt much bigger than that – uh, occasionally you get that as a sports fan where the the individual moment kind of supersedes everything else, the bigger the bigger picture. And the 50th anniversary, uh, Franco just so cruel being taken from us the week that he was supposed to be celebrated and honored and then to go out and win in that fashion. Um, again, that that to me is is so much bigger than, you know, if it would have been a playoff victory against the Raiders or something like that, sometimes it, it just means more. Sometimes the circumstances mean more than the situation that your team is in. And I think we we certainly saw that on Saturday I think, night. I think you're nailing it to the essence of what you're saying is really the moment was bigger than the game. Yes, yes. And and that's, re- that's, that's what I'm looking for. Yep. That, and that's exactly what uh, Art brought with those comments and that uh, the whole – it was just, I don't know. Just amazing. So, what it was we're Wolf, do- real, real quick? Yep. I'm not, you know, I'm not like a uh, materialistic guy, right? You know, I we we go on these road trips and go to games. This is my first year traveling with the Steelers. You know, I keep I keep our little our little press media badge that we get on all these different road trips that we go to. Mm-hmm. But that's about it. You know, I don't I don't take souvenirs or collectors really or anything like right, that. Right. But but Saturday night, I I had to take one of the game programs home. Oh, that's cool. You know, yeah. because it's it's the picture of Franco on the front and the 50th anniversary and the yeah. game. Like I, when I was leaving that place on Saturday, I was like, I gotta have something. You know, I gotta have something yeah. from this game because yeah. it, it's gonna be 20, 30 years from now, and this is gonna be a, a game that I'm gonna talk about, that I'm gonna tell my grandkids about. You know, when when hopefully I'm baptizing mm-hmm. them into the black and gold one day. <laughs> yeah. um, that was it. Was you're right. It was it was it was just an incredible moment. It really was. Uh, it was, and I, uh, I love the fact that we can share it with all of Steelers Nation because then all all of Steelers Nation wanted to be there at that moment. Yep. That's for sure. All right, let's take a break because we have Alvaro Martin. Si, he, senor. Yes, he has. A, he is our Spanish play-by-play game day commentator, and he did. I believe we have uh, the call with uh, Pickett the Pickens. Oh, you know it. Oh, you want to catch this one because the man just is smoking when he when he delivers the lines here. So we're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this more in SNR here. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungle's closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there.